I enjoyed our new members class that we had and was able to finish that up today. Um, Like I always tell everybody, something just, come on computer, it must be cold too. There it goes. Um, But I always tell everyone, you know, the new members class isn't the most invigorating class you can go through, but we do have a lot of good discussion and it's always interesting to, to talk about spiritual gifts and things that God has given the people. But we are in our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I was able to talk to them about that. For many of them, this is the first time that they're a part of that with us. The video that I sent out last week, if you haven't got a chance to to watch it, then um, I'm sorry. But uh, I want to talk briefly to you today about preparing our hearts to seek the Lord. Now, this, this language is used a lot in Scripture, preparing our hearts to seek the Lord. And we read that and we think, yes, I'm going to prepare my heart to seek the Lord. How do you actually do that? For many of you, I fear that today, maybe you've been so busy. Of course, you know, sad to say, but Christmas is probably one of the worst times of year to focus on anything much but trying to get things done, unfortunately. And that's really bad. But some of you may be here today thinking, I want to take part in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Well, I I just want you to know that the the train is actually leaving the station today okay like it's it's going now you can grab on you feel free you come run along the side and grab on and then we'll drag you along and we'll pull you in as best we can but you 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 need to have prepared before this day but even if you are here this day don't count yourself out if you're here and you want to be a part of it you can take the rest of today Get with God and begin to ask some of these questions about how should I seek you? Now, first of all, a time of prayer and fasting is for God's people, those who have been saved by grace through faith, those who know where their life comes from, those who understand that the life that they live, like Galatians 2.20, they live by faith in the Son of God, which gave himself for them, and so that's how they live. They want to live with him being preeminent in their life, but So many times as we go through the course of a year, we tend to take on weight, not just physically, but spiritually, right? Uh, Sometimes we have rooms in our home that become cluttered and full of debris, and we think, where does it all come from? And so we have to stop, and we have spring cleaning in which we'll We'll even come down here to the church in the spring and we'll clean off the stuff that has just kind of been going for the year and we'll start fresh. This is a time of starting fresh for us. We've done, this will be, this is our eighth year of doing this actually. And I've learned a few things along the way. And one of them is that we need to prepare beforehand to do it. Because you think, I'm going to fast. And most of you think immediately, I can't eat for 21 days. That's not true. That is, that is simply not true. You will not make it for 21 days. Uh, and also, too, some of you having health conditions or medications that you take, you, you wouldn't even want to attempt that. Like I say, the most that we would ever call a full, complete fast would maybe be a day, maybe two, and that would include those, and that would not include those who have medical issues or conditions that would prevent them from doing so. This would be what I would call a modified fast. Now, first of all, before I get into my stuff, I want to speak to the fasting issue so that you're not completely... Uh, taken back by it in Matthew chapter 6 you don't have to turn there you can if you want but in Matthew chapter 6 
In verse 16, Jesus gives us probably the best explanation for fasting. Real quick, he writes, moreover, when you fast. So first of all, right off the bat, Jesus assumes that it is something that that you will do. So in the Christian life, the question of whether or not is fasting for the Christian, clearly Jesus assumes that we're going to be doing that. And even Paul talks about it. So when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their, their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But then he writes, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. The first thing about fasting that I want to encourage you in is that you don't have to tell it to anybody what you're doing. Don't share that. Just keep it between you and God. Now, if you're married, you obviously want to align things with your, with your spouse so you're not counting. I'm fasting bacon and you're cooking it in the house. You know, you don't want to be doing that uh, or sucking your coffee extra and the other one's just listening to it. So you, you guys need to work those details out with each other. But here's clearly how it works. Think of fasting as a greater passion, God, driving out a a lesser passion, food, media, other comforts that you turn to, who knows what. You think, but I got a lot of those. How do I know which one? Well, that's why you need to get with God. And he will let you know what that is that he wants you to do. Now, you're not going to be going foodless (laughs) for 21 days. But what meal should you fast? Well, a lot of that depends on how your body works, how your schedule works with your job. Everyone's going to be different there. But here's what I would say. Align your fast with your, align what you're fasting from with the time that you can spend with God. So take that time that maybe you would be eating that meal and you, you turn it to be with God in prayer and in the word. Okay, so if that happens better for you at night, then no dinner for you. Now, I don't know. It it depends on if you'd be surprised. Some people don't have a food problem. They're they're, they're fine just going without, and it's odd, but they are. But if you get them to lay off their TV or their social media platforms, their iPads and their games or whatever they have, that's different. They like that. So take that time that you would spend there and invest it over there. Could be a combination of, I, I sense the Lord is, is telling me to give up all sugar, uh, no breads, no potato chips. I'm just going to eat meat and vegetables for the entire time. And uh, no social media, no news, no anything other than email for work. Okay, that's your fast. That's how you're going to work that. But above all things, as when you get the word on that, do not share with anybody because the devil will try to make an issue of it. Because we have in human nature to sum somebody up on what they're doing. Where they just gave up coffee. Like, what is that? Says the person who doesn't drink it. So, you know, you don't want to be doing that. But also, you want to eliminate things in your life that distract you from God. So, the hours you may spend scrolling on a feed of Facebook or something. Or, or sitting and mindlessly watching something on TV. 
This is a 21 days of a greater passion driving out a lesser passion. This is praying scripture. By the way, Psalm 119 has 22 stanzas in it. We need 21. So you have an introductory stanza and then you have the rest. Okay, but you can actually take each one of those those stanzas and pray through and use that as a framework to pray through every day. Also, as you read through the book uh, in uh, Revival Praying, you're gonna be talking about Ezra chapter nine. You may wanna use parts of that to frame your prayer. You get going in that, you're gonna spend some time praying. Your flesh is gonna fight you. Your kids are going to think you're nuts and you're maybe your spouse, and maybe your friends and you won't be able, it's not gonna be a normal schedule for you, but it's focus time with God. Don't you think after a year's worth of gathering and just collecting and that you need to stop and purge a little and that's what that is. So if that's mornings for you, great, make it happen. If it's, if it's uh, evenings, make it happen. It's not always food. It, it, it's not always just one thing. It could be a combination of things that you comprise to do that that's your fast. And that's between you and God alone. And God who sees in secret, what does the Bible say? Will reward you openly. Okay, so don't, oh, lastly, don't get so focused on your fast that you miss the point. Don't afflict yourself for nothing. Say, I'm not eating dinner. I'm just supposed to pray. So I spent three minutes praying and I'm just sitting here in this chair, just sitting here. This is dumb. You got a heart problem. You got a whole Bible full of passion. Get into it. Get on your knees. Force yourself. Fight your flesh for once. Come on. Stand and and take it on. Go to war. That's what this is about. There's people to intercede for. There's people to pray for. There's lost family and friends that need Jesus without a nuclear impact of God. We'll never know him. Okay, so there's a lot to pray for. So don't don't just get into the habit of your fast without doing the point of the fast. All right, so preparing our hearts to seek the Lord is what this is about today. We are starting today. And many of you may have a lot of business to do tonight to be prepared for tomorrow. Foods that you may want to gather, broths, stocks, j- jellos, or whatever you have that you're doing soups that have no chunks in them. It's just, it's, you'd be, maybe you're going to go meatless for, I don't know. I'm just saying there's lots of things you need to be prepared for. Number one, preparing our hearts. First Samuel chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, if you return to the Lord with all your heart. So they had gotten away from God. If you remember this, this place in Samuel, Samuel was uh, the, the last of the judges, okay, of Israel. If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, obviously they weren't with the Lord or they wouldn't need to return to the Lord. They had gotten away from God. We tend to get away from God. Then he says this, put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only. Part of preparing your hearts for the Lord deals specifically with getting rid of the sin in your life that's keeping you from God in the first place, which takes the shape of all kinds of things. You have to eliminate that. False sins that keep you from God are also known as idols. They stand in between you and God And they had gotten into this. And then he says to them, so 
put them away and then prepare your heart to seek the Lord. So the children of Israel put away the bales and the asterisks and served the Lord. Part of preparing your hearts to serve the Lord after dealing with your sin is serving God, serving him. So I'm imagining there they are, they've they've put away their, their false gods and they've come and stood before Samuel and said, mow your yard? I don't know. What, is it, what, did they, what did he want them to do? So how did they start serving the Lord? And I believe what the answer is, is they were, as the, let's read Psalm 10. It says right here, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble because to prepare your heart is to humble your heart. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear. Preparing us to hear. So God is preparing us and it says, your ear to hear what? We're praying. The very first place of service to the king when getting right in a time of prayer and fasting is prayer itself. Talking to God. Spending more amount of, uh, amounts of time talking to God. You're, you're dealing with your sin. You're putting it away from you. You're getting into the Bible and you're beginning to read. You're taking advantage of the material that we have up here. We still have some books and study guides and you're reading through that. You're reading it not to get through the material. You're studying it to understand what it has to say to us. And you're telling all this back to God in prayer. The preparing part is God, I'm positioning myself before you for adjustment. What do I need to do? And so this last week should have been a little bit of time of warm up. Today can be a time of warm up and then you launch in hard tomorrow. Okay, God isn't gonna split hairs over a day here. I'm just saying. Second Chronicles chapter 19, verse 3. Uh, Nevertheless, good things are found in you in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and you have prepared your heart to seek God. Again, we're dealing with things that we've collected from the land. We live in a culture that if there's one thing that every one of us have too much of, it's too much input from the world through its different media outlets, okay? I was talking to Ren this past week and I was saying, you know, back in the day when all they had was a newspaper and, and the reporters were out trying to find a scoop, I guess they would say, and they would try to get it to press so the paper would go out and something was in the headlines, that was kind of the means of news. We're talking even before TV. And we tend to think of those days as the good old days. But it just occurred to me, and you've probably already thought of this because I'm slower than the rest, but news didn't travel as fast in those days. They didn't have a cell phone to take a picture instantly. They didn't have a tweet or, or a way to post it on Instagram or t- for news to just travel all over so that everybody knew what everything was happening. So it was limited to that newspaper and if you found it and if you had time to read it. Nowadays, it's everywhere and it's driving us insane. So... You have a, we have a steady, I would call being forced fed diet 
of what the world is screaming at us because everything is political now. So that's why we back off and we get new habits. Part of the 21 days is to instill new habits in us to take into the new year. And it takes about three weeks to establish a new habit. So less of news, less of media, putting it in its rightful place, less of TV, if you can find anything fit to watch on it anyways. Not grieving the spirit with the type of entertainment that you let in. You say, I want to hear from God, but yet you watch shows full of profanity and sexual stuff and doesn't fit. Get, get rid of the wooden images. Prepare by saying, well, here's the TV and I just booted it out the door. Now, I mean, I don't know what you have to do but if it's got that big a grip on you, you just might have to take the TV down to the Goodwill store. It's worth it to hear more from Jesus. To prepare our hearts is, simply, is to simply humble ourselves before God. That's simply. To repent of and put away all sin and distraction. See, that's what these 21 days do. And with a singular focus, pursue God to the utmost of our abilities. That's what this is about. Now, that's a tall order if you think about it right there. We are supposed to prepare our hearts by humbling ourselves. You got areas in your life that aren't going to be humbled so quickly. But you take it to God and he begins to work on you and whittling you down and bringing you into right relationship with him concerning that thing. And you have these things to repent of, but you may say, but I like it because you've let it get a grip on your life. And so he has to take you through a process that I hope at the end of the 21 days, if nothing else, he'll have set you on a path of getting over whatever that is you've been sucked into for so long. You'll begin to see what you haven't been seeing. One of the things as you age, and of course, some of you are older than I, but I'm beginning to have this happen. Rennie and I will go back and watch it. Oh, you remember that old movie from the 80s when we were kids? You know? And we'll watch it and go, oh, our parents let us watch this? Right? Well, what's changed? Let me tell you what's changed. Sanctification has what's happened. That's what's changed. Sanctification changed your heart. You've been walking with God so long since you've seen that show or been saved since then and you go back in a, in a state of nostalgia and you, and, and you start and you're like, oh, it's just pure filth. It's, it's just full of, expl- I don't remember any of this because you've grown in the Lord. Now don't watch it anymore. Some of you have, you'll be cruising down the road and you'll turn on the rock station, classic rock, you know, and it's all going back to the days when, you know, when all of those bands were brand new and they're not anymore and they're old men, okay? And, uh, and, and, and you maybe hear one of those songs, you think, oh, it's just all about the same thing. It's gross. It's woo. Why did I? Because you've grown in the Lord. But now, what if you've allowed yourself to kind of get sucked back into that in the name of nostalgia, in the name of reliving high school some? You've let your soul absorb some of that. That's not good for your walk with God. I want to read a prayer to you 
from, this is from the uh, old classic Puritan work, Valley of Vision. It's called The Deeps, okay? I don't even know who it's by here, but it says, Lord Jesus, this is a prayer. Give me a deeper repentance, a horror of sin, a dread of its approach. Help me chastely to flee it and jealously to resolve that my heart shall be yours alone. Give me a deeper trust that I may lose myself to find myself in you, the ground of my rest and the spring of my being. Give me a deeper knowledge of yourself as Savior, Master, Lord, and King. Give me a deeper power in private prayer. We need that. More sweetness in the Word. More steadfast grip on its truth. Give me deeper holiness in speech, in thought, in action, and let me not seek moral virtue apart from you. Got a lot of that trying to happen these days. Plow deep in me, great Lord, heavenly husband, that my being may be a tilled field, the roots of grace spreading far and wide until you alone are seen in me. The beauty golden like summer harvest, your fruit, your fruit, uh, fruitfulness as autumn plenty. I have no master but you, no law but you, no delight but you, no wealth but what you give, and no good but what you bestowest, and no peace except that you give it to me. I am nothing that you make but that you make me that thing i have nothing but i receive from you i can be nothing but that grace adorns me and then he says this dig down in me deep dear lord and then fill me to overflowing with living water so that was his prayer that was a prayer that's how they prayed and someone wrote it down Luke, three thir- Luke chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. John the Baptist prepared the way of telling the people to prepare for God with these words. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, chapter 40 to be exact, and the prophet saying, now here's what John the Baptist came to do, prepare the way of the Lord. And then he gives a description that's very interesting. You say, how am I supposed to prepare the way that, what involves preparation? Here he's going to tell you. He says, first, make his path straight. Is there anything between you and God that needs to be gotten out of the way? Okay, move it. (laughs) Second, let every valley be filled if there's a ditch or a chasm between you and God that needs to be filled then in as much as it can be done upon you go fill it unresolved conflict unforgiveness of heart something with another brother or sister in the church go fill it so it can be done and God can roll right over and then also every mountain and hill be brought low if there's pride erected up in areas of your life if there's things that you do that you know is an affront to God and you won't change them because you're too proud to do so, go chop them down. Get rid of them. 
And if it's rough like a washboard road that God's going to come to you, okay, then get the grater out and smooth it up and all flesh then shall see the salvation of God. Because what he was just talking about here is what the practice was in those days when a king would be approaching one of his cities that he's going to visit. They were making a highway as they went. So his entourage would go out ahead and they'd scope it out. They wanted a straight, smooth, fastest route for the king. That meant, that meant filling in the valleys, you gotta build a roadbed. That meant taking down the trees first. You got to cut those down so you can make the roadbed. That meant, oh, we got to go through this mountain or around a part of it. So they're cutting off part of it or digging it out to make it flat. They wanted that thing to be as flat, as straight as they could possibly get it. So that king could go quickly as he could with as much uh, comfort and joy as he could to that city. So if you're asking God to come visit you, move stuff. That's what it's about. The men, this is out of a book that I wanted to share with you, but it says the men God uses in revival, and women I might add, all have a burning conviction that God will not hold back from giving good things to his people. As so they have had, they have a bold impertinence to ask and expect good things from him. Remember Jesus said, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Think of the widow you know, who wanted justice. Think of the man who was asleep with his kids and that one friend wanted bread and they were like, dang it. God wants to give. He says, but but they are equally sure that these are only given to those who walk, whose walk is blameless. You think, well, that eliminates me. You have to understand something. Your walk is only as blameless as long as you choose to stay somewhere in a position that you're not supposed to be in. Go get along with God and let the sin flow out and say, God, take it. Cutting it down. Moving it away. Cleanse me from this. So there's a clean highway. They know that sin will quench the Holy Spirit. Do, you, do we know that? And their passion for God is equaled only by their fear of offending him. These are not men who take God lightly. Their understanding of the holy character of their creator is awful, big in its scope. So I ask you a question real quick. Does your speech, the way you talk, the words you use, does it reflect a heart that respects and fears God and His holiness? Does your thoughts, do you hold them at bay? Do you fight against that pugnacious nature that's inside of you that wants to assault the holiness of God in your life? Do you shove it back or do you just let it go? First, to deal with all this and prepare ourselves we begin to pray with earnestness for God to prepare us to seek Him. We have to pray that God would help us to seek Him. That's how you, we're so far off many times that we need help not to stand. We need help to get up so we can stand. God, help me 
to prepare, to be prepared. <laughs> Number two, and, and this won't stop the entire 21 days, and I hope thereafter. Number two, we begin to read with earnestness. Notice the word earnestness, the word of God. We begin to read with passion. Now, I've had to start, stop and restart many times when I read my Bible because my mind's just... <laughs> So I have to go back many times and I hone in on the word. So we have to begin to read with earnestness the word of God, which the Holy Spirit will speak through to reveal Jesus to us. You want to hear from God? You really do? Then where is your Bible? Where is it? Right now, where is it? Let it be all around you all the time. Number three, we will earnestly seek out and prepare a place and a time to be alone with God for the next 21 days. You know what, just once, and I'll close with this and we'll go into our time of prayer. We hear of she sheds and we hear of man caves. And in those rooms are various assortments of uh, what do you call that stuff? That... Well, the, yeah. So in men's caves, they have tools and bars and TV, big TVs and, and sports memorabilia and all that stuff. And in the women's parts, they might have the TVs, but then they have like scrapbooking stuff and all the, well, it would be the feminine opposite of that. Okay. Just once. Wouldn't it be something if to be featured would be, this is my prayer room. But, yeah, this is where I go. This is, this is my place with God. Do you have a place with God? Maybe you need to go get it ready. Maybe you, maybe you need to get a space heater and put it out there in the corner of the garage where that chair is, that old chair. Get you a little lamp and get it ready. Do you have a place? Because next week's question is this. Do we want God? And I would simply say the first place to answer that is with another question. Do our lives reflect that we do? Because it's going to change things. So with that being said, we're going to move into a time of corporate prayer here for just a bit.